Hey guys, welcome back to Sweat and Grime. It's Brian. I'm here with Rick. Yeah, and we're coming back at you for episode two of the Sweat and Grime podcast. Still fumbling our way through this, trying to figure out what we're going to do. But thanks for tuning in. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it's been it's been a fun little week here. So last week here in Michigan, we got a shitload of rain. And Rick and I were on a basement dig that we, what was it, 1,800 square foot? The size of the the size of the hole, yeah, and it was about it was an, about two thousand time you had to overdig, yeah, and then we were eight eight and a half feet deep on the high side, yeah, yeah. So with so all, we were excavating two finished grade on the high side, yeah, yeah. So all that to say, we we had a big fucking hole in the ground, and then we got four straight days of rain here in Michigan, and that hole was filled to within probably two and a half feet of the top. Yeah, there was. Seven foot, about 80,000 gallons of water. Yeah. In this nice brand new spanking basement. And uh, so this week has been, so last week we should back up. Last week during the storm, we were out there because we had to set septic tanks. And so yeah, we, we had two tanks. We couldn't turn the delivery truck away. No. Because it, it was, was two weeks further out. Yeah. So it would have set the project back by at least two weeks. So, so we're out there fucking around in all the mud and everything. We finally get it all dried up. And so this week has been dig a ramp down into the hole and play around in the mud and wallow in it. Muck out four <laughs> inches, add more money, watch the homeowner's heartbeat just start racing financially. Uh, it's, it's been such a joy. Like it's it's one of those job sites where, especially the week of the rain, like you were calf deep in mud. And All then, day. Like my hips, yeah, my toes. You're just covered. You were just you basically Nasty. have to strip to get in the car when yeah. you're heading home. And I was then, so sore carrying pumps around. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, and that's luckily Rick doesn't make me carry pumps around. He realizes I've, I'm special enough that I don't carry pumps. Hollywood, <laughs> Hollywood, which we can't talk about that officially yet. Well, I mean, I was just saying the way yeah. you work. Well, yeah, so you know, can't so grab a shovel. Just to tease that out a little bit for you guys, there is something going on behind the scenes that I am not allowed to talk about yet. But stay tuned on that one. It's already going to his head. Yeah. So, so I don't carry pumps anymore. That's like, that's right. the way it's going to be. But if yeah, it, so if we, it ain't film time. You, yeah, that's you, right. It's downtime. Yeah, absolutely. I've got, I got, you know, my union rep told mm-hmm. me I'm only allowed to do certain things. So, but all that being said, we, we spent last week mucking around, wallowing in mud. This week has been playing cleanup. So we did dig a ramp down into the basement, uh, got all of the basically dog shit out and start putting our stone down but it has been it's been an absolute treat these last couple of weeks yeah it's been a nightmare but that's yeah. a can-do attitude yeah and we are we stuck we are it getting out it done yeah we are we getting it done it but oh my god it's not been fun so so yeah uh for today's topics uh i, I basically threw some stuff together the first thing i wanted to talk about is as everyone's probably familiar in the dirt world i know that we we talked about this being a podcast for all the trades Trust me, guys, we will get there. But initially here, we will stick within our comfort zone of the dirt world. <laughs> right. We're, so, we're going to break into assault yeah, and other change yeah. pretty damn yeah. quick. So, But for the time being, <clears throat> you know, until we kind of get our legs under us here, we are going to stick close to home and things that we know about because that's the news I focus on. But case released officially their 620B skid steer. Yeah. It is a 6,200-pound lift capacity machine. I want to say it weighs in at like... 15 or 16,000 pounds, which is significant. It is heavy. That 450 will lift 5,000 with counterweights. 
and it only weighs in at 10.5. Yeah, so this is a, I mean, it is a beefy machine. Now, that being said, we're going to watch the trailer here in just a second. They've got like a, I can't remember if it's a full yard and a quarter or a yard, yard and a quarter. Is it yard yeah. and a quarter? It's, our, like, it's a loader a, on tracks. Yeah, it's a front, it's a freaking backhoe bucket. That's America, though. We'll yeah. just build it bigger and bigger better. Bigger and better. Made in America. Made in America, yeah. And it burns diesel. <laughs> she sure does. So so that being said, I've got the I've got the the official case trailer pulled up here. We're gonna we're gonna take a quick listen here and, and we'll get Rick's thoughts on this. He should have wore a hat. He should have wore a hat. And why am I not getting any audio now that I've got all this tested and we had everything dialed in here? Hang on, guys. Let me oh I know why. Hang on. We're still rookies at this. Bear with us. The compact track loader. Hey, is the most powerful CTL ever built. <clears throat> Did they release the price point? I don't think so. Because officially, it doesn't officially drop, I think, we for... We start by laying out what... It's over 100 grand. Oh, easy. Yeah. yeah. 620B features... 120, I'd bet. That would be my guess, yep. Bucket it's got a reversing fan. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They did. A, they did a great job with it. Standardization to this machine, and you've ever seen. In a looks just ETL. built. It Clip looks like a tank. Adjustable electro hydraulic controls, high flow hydraulics, auto ride control, one way soft leveling, a hydraulic coupler, an auto reversing fan, LED lights, and a one year subscription to Case Sight Watch Telematics. Which no one cares about on a skid steer. No, you turn it up a little more. Yep. Heavy duty bucket designed specifically for the TV620B. So let me go back there. Because I didn't I didn't catch that. Specifically for comes with a new one and a quarter cubic yeah, yard. One and a quarter. Bucket That's unreal. It's only eight foot wide. And, and just to kind of recap here, that is literally... A backhoe bucket. That is, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's a skid steer bucket. It's got the low profile extended edge. But when you're talking capacity, yeah, that's a backhoe. Well, you could carry one and a half heaped up. Yep. You know, if you're not loading trucks. Yeah. 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 It's all just, day. That thing is tank. I like those additional counterweights on the back, too. That's sexy. Big, powerful, loaded with features. The industry has never seen anything like the TV620B. A few things for you to know about this machine. Sounds the heavy. Yeah. B also features all the great advantages we introduced with the B series compact track loaders, including a new operator interface, industry leading. I like where they put the hydraulics on the inside. Yeah, arms. Yep. Yep. they're nice and protected, but they're open. You can get to them. That includes the industry's only rear view camera visible and a split screen. That's one of their best features on their machines now is that screen. This thing is built for the heavy work. Yeah, but that screen is uh, irrelevant about and running that machine. Rubber sure. That allow for minimum ground well, for a user interface, it's nice. Performance on improved For a techie guy. Yeah, I'm all about the tech. I know. <laughs> I like the counterweights. Are yeah. cheesy like the 450 was. Right. Hydraulic on demand performance that allows the operator to easily select the percentage of auxiliary hydraulic flow to the attachment. So just to recap that, you can actually adjust yep. your hydraulic flow in real time. Right. Now, so like the stump grinders that were blown constantly, yep. like overheating, you can yep. adjust the high flow Calm down, down just enough yep. to keep it efficient. Yeah. So that's now one thing I don't know. It doesn't look like from the screen here, the screen that they've got, which, by the way, if you guys want to watch this video, head over to dieselandironproductions.com. We have a blog page set up for the podcast so that you can actually watch uh, the videos that we are watching on the show here, but 
All that to say on the screen here, it doesn't look like it actually has the ability to dial down by gallons per minute or gallons per hour. Uh, it looks like it is just a zero to 100 percent. So I would say, yeah, but I, I don't think know what if, kind of flexibility they got you're in there. Like a 45 gallon mm. per minute yeah. at a high flow at 100 percent, you could back it down to 80 percent, right? And just you're just kind of doing some mental math. 38 to, gallons yeah. a minute, kind of. But that seems like one thing that could potentially improve on is maybe actually having, even if it's not 100,000 percent accurate, putting Correct. some sort of gallon per minute there on the via the machine's multifunction display. This allows the operator to dial an attachment performance to their preference. The attachments look the small. The they do. Factor. This machine is such a beast. The, this is a Fecon head they're running on this now thing. this is a sweet foot pedal that can be You see it's programmable? It's like the dozer. Yeah. Deceleration or the new <clears throat> trans mode, which reduces drive speed but retains RPM for lower arm functions. So just to recap for those listening, so you're, you're your accelerator pedal, which it traditionally is in skid steers, your foot pedal on the floor. Uh, most skid steers, that has traditionally just been a throttle pedal, so it's just like the gas pedal in your car. In this new machine, you can actually program that three ways. You can you can leave it the traditional accelerator pedal. You can change it over to a decelerator pedal, more like a dozer, or you can do it like a transmission control. Uh, and I've talked about this on my diesel and iron channel before, on a lot of dozers, you can set it to where full engine throttle, you're you're 100% on throttle all the time. You're only regulating your track speed with the pedal, and that's exactly how you can do with this machine. And it's, this thing still has a creep mode. And it's got creep on top of that. So which like is, if you're yeah. running to some really heavy stuff that you want to slow down on, you hit that pedal, give the time, the machine a little bit more time to mulch or grind or lift something up before you keep tracking. Now, here's, this is all one of these in theory, that's great. It's a cool feature. But at the same time, I kind of feel like, you know, in a dozer, it's forward or reverse. And then Correct. your pedal is, is changing your speed. But in a skid steer, you're doing that with your hand. So this is kind of one of those features where I go, that's a really cool feature initially because I literally just did. But at the same time, as I think through it, I go, OK, that's a cool feature, but it it's not some, super practical. It needs some real world testing. It, yeah, it, it doesn't seem highly practical to me that you're going to be controlling your speed with the pedal versus no with your hand a great complement to the standard creep speed we meet emission standards through a combination of cegr doc and scr technologies we've got no tpf and no regeneration that's huge no dpf guys in the engine compartment is reduced with a standard that's awesome. is awesome reversible fan to blow out all the shit off your radiator up top how often the fan runs and for the duration within the multi-function display in the cab i gotta imagine with that size horsepower and pump also features the new that ain't gonna slow the machine down at all no 114 horse and software mm. updates through the site manager app as well as connectivity to the case uptime center for Collaborative fleet management between Case, the local Case dealer, and the equipment owner. And the Case TV620B is manufactured proudly in Wichita, Kansas, USA. We promise you that you've never seen a CTL quite like this. For more on. So, just a, a super quick uh, tidbit of knowledge there. The guy that's doing this actually taught my training out in Pennsylvania. Nice. So when I was selling equipment for Case, he was one of the trainers that was out there. So this is a video. So, well, before we get into the next video, I think overall it's a, thoughts. I think it's a decent machine. Um, 
it's really hard knowing that like the Minotaur's there to compare it to. Yeah. I think if it had a little more features, kind of like what the Minotaur hype is about. Yeah. Like that size machine for like what we do a lot of the times, it'd be nice to be able to clip a dozer blade on because it has the weight, the horsepower. Um, You're going to be in a really unique situation buying that. Like you're going to be in some kind of specialty environment, I'd have to imagine, just because things so heavy, it's going to take bigger trucks, trailers, attachments to really get the performance out of the money. Yeah, so just kind of piggybacking off of off of what you're saying, I think I think for the majority of of contractors like you and I, uh, of the two machines between this one and the Minotaur itself, I think the Minotaur makes way more sense because it gives you that flexibility. And if you're going to go drop. You know, let's do some some just educated guesses. You're looking at like the sister machine of the Minotaur, in yeah. my opinion, knowing that it's there. Like, you know, you could throw that dozer blade on the Minotaur. It's got scarifiers in the back. You could switch yeah. to metal tracks, rubber tracks, yeah. which I think you could do to a lot of the good steers. Yeah, so so you can do that. It's it's traditionally been third party though. But when you, you get go looking at the price point, like a little bit more breakout force. That's that's really cool. A little more horsepower, hydraulic bump power. Um, that's an overall feature. But you know, you're looking for someone that's really big in attachments, which I run a lot of attachments. But that's where I come back to where where I was ultimately going to go with that is. So you've you've got this machine, and let's call it. It's going to go for. And, and I think this is a pretty accurate guess. Let's say one hundred twenty thousand versus your Minotaur with the dozer attachment. Excuse me. Um, you know, let's call that 150. Correct. You know, by the time you throw the dozer on and the scar fire, I, I would think with for the majority of contractors, if you're going to step up into that next weight class where you're really committing to dragging around a triaxle trailer and correct, I would think the Minotaur would almost be a better choice because you have you got the flexibility. Machines. Yeah, you do. You've got that real dozer blade versus correct. this machine. I'm kind of with you. I could see it being some very specialized niche contractors. Um, you know, the one that they talk about constantly in their in their marketing and promotional materials is uh, energy companies and municipalities that have a lot of right of ways that need to be cleared. Right. And so I can, you know, yeah, I can I can see that. Um, the other way I could see that rolling is instead of going and buying uh, a little compact loader for your uh, landscape yard have this be one of your yard machines. Cause now you've got the hinge pin height. You've got the bucket capacity to where you're up there with a traditional compact loader, but now you've got the maneuverability of having a skid steer so that you can get in some really tight spots. You don't necessarily need the dozer blade. You just need that additional lift capacity for, for doing pallets of stone and some of the stuff that they encounter in the landscape yard. But as far as this being an on site, you know, heavy duty skid that someone's going to go commit to. I just, I, I think when the Minotaur comes out, I think this is going to drop the ball. It's going to be one of the, that's kind of, I feel like these sales are going to be pretty. It's almost made the platform, but it stopped. Cause you could go back to the 450 and then the Minotaur. Yeah. Like, unless there's some severe attachments there come out, we're not seeing for hydraulic. Right. Right. You know, that it's overkill. Yeah. I, I just, me. I think, I think, when you step up to this machine, I mean, 15,000 pounds is a heavy fucking machine to drag around. Yeah, you go buy a used loader. Yep. 30 grand. There's yeah. your pin height. Yeah. And so I, I, I think there's initially going to be a pop of some of these machines of contractors. This just want to have a dick swinging contest. Like mm-hmm. I got the biggest, baddest. 
outside of that, I think really guys are going to step up to that Minotaur or they're going to stay at that TV 450 range. Yeah, because, I mean, really, if you got the Minotaur and you're bulldozing quite a bit, I mean, you're almost more efficient to have a bulldozer and a skid steer, bulldozer and an excavator. So it's going to be a pretty hard sell for the 620. Yeah. Um, no, nice I machine. totally agree. It nice is a machine. super nice machine, but it's it, that's kind of a strange machine to put out there. So, all right, for the next one, because uh, because Rick is a tree guy. I love steel. We have a steel jet-powered chainsaw. And again, dieselandironproductions.com. We will post this video for you guys to check We're out. with steel-sponsored uh, sport uh, aircraft. And I am going to turn this down a little because it is loud as shit when he fires this thing up. A little peel did on the side. Look. To your heads. Yeah, check this out. Remember the little this thing is badass. That, uh, he looks like he's caressing the saw. Yeah. <laughs> They're available for model airplanes. Well, working on a, on a turbine. I can't imagine how much fuel that goes through. Steel chainsaw. Like, there's this isn't practical at all. It's literally for publicity, but that is badass. An ounce a minute. Yes. Maybe more. You just walk walk around with a, a backpack of fuel on you. That looks like a 461. Dude, or this, 462. Thing is, this thing is badass when he really fires it up. <clears throat> So I'm going to turn it down here because it gets loud. It's a little bit louder than I thought now. By the way, the chain has not even started on this thing. <laughs> it hadn't even started spinning. He's reading a little digital readout there. Re reading his EGTs. There it goes. That. Holy shit. Yeah, that thing's badass. <laughs> you can do some serious work at idle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's coming out right at the perfect time. Halloween is around the corner. There you go. You know what I mean? Just chase guys around with one of these. Legitly. And scare the shit out of right. them. Right. Yeah. Chainsaw the with the turbo. Right. Wow, it's so quiet. The blade, that is. So, yeah, that is uh, that is the steel jet-powered chainsaw. I want to see them full tilt, put that into oh, a yeah. log. Well, that's what I was going to say. just hang on to that sucker. So, Traditionally, with a gas-powered motor, you've got that oomph to really cut through the log when it comes into contact. I'd be curious to see how that, how I would feel like that chain would bog. That dude don't even have enough oomph on his body to hold the saw. Right, yeah. So. That's the other thing, too. How heavy is that thing? That uh, the, I bet she was probably right around 40 right, pounds. Think so? Yeah. I don't. I, Which, the kickback, dude, that thing can knock you back till tomorrow. Oh, on, on the actual saw, yeah, not the jet-powered version? All of it. Like, yeah. if it grabbed a hold of a piece of wood and that thing come flying back at you at jet speed? Yeah. Yeah, you'd be dead. I would be curious to see that go into a log. That would be pretty entertaining to watch. So, so what do we have going on over the next couple of weeks here, Rick? Uh, the Paul Bunyan Show is actually happening in Cambridge, Ohio, the next three days, starting today. Oh, for, is it Really? It's like the login, tree work kind of guru people, the newest of the new. Gotcha. Hammerhead attachments would be there. Oh, would they really? Mm-hmm. If I'm not making a five-hour hike. Yeah, that's, no. I can YouTube it. Which there's the Utility Expo, or I can't remember what's yeah, happening. Utility right? Expo's yeah, Utility Expo running. Yeah, that's going on. Where is that at this year? Kentucky? Mm, I think so. So. But that's utility work. I know. That's, you know. That's like consumer energy bullshit. Well, yeah, and it's yeah that would Union be jobs. that would be a long hike to get down there to go to that. But I know, I know, Case has got a booth set up there, and they've got one of these six twenty <clears> sitting <throat> in it. Ooh, I've been seeing some snippets of the of the show. I'm a little Ooh. at Case, honestly. They dropped the ball. Yeah, like reach out for like, God's sakes. For some odd reason, I really enjoy Case equipment. 
I really enjoy it from like way back in the day to now. And it's like, it's always just so close when he dropped the ball. But for some odd reason, you done messed up, A.A. Ron! <laughs> all day long. <laughs> yeah, like that's, like, that's case in a nutshell. But the price point, the machines, they're for me, they're just phenomenal. I really, yeah. the comfort in them. But yeah, they just dropped the ball. Like, yeah, that's it's that was my yeah. biggest beef. So I feel like we should be on Case's payroll. Demo on their machines to help them get to the final finish line of the fucking machine. Like yeah. you're ninety nine percent there. That's good enough. Yeah. Like it's it's been so frustrating. So over on Diesel and Iron, the actual YouTube <clears throat> channel, uh and especially on our vlog page, uh Diesel and Iron Construction Vlog. If you search that, I know it's goofy, but that was for for search engine optimization. That was the name. But you'll see Rick and I run case equipment all the time. And I I am affectionately called a case sellout by a lot of my subscribers. And really, I, I never went into it as a no. wanting to be a case fan. Like I, I went in and sold case equipment because that's who hired me. And I, I had the common mentality of, you know, case stood for can't afford something else. And right. it was kind of the, they were like the fourth on the list. Yeah. The like cheaper kind of not quite off brand, but you know, the, the cheaper brand. And what ended up happening is I totally changed my tune about case equipment. It's just, they have got really solid machines. And unfortunately they do a piss poor job of marketing them. And like they have done nothing to address this whole can't. Why are you the way that you are? Yeah, like well, yeah, exactly. Like pull your heads out of your asses and actually go address <laughs> the fact that the industry thinks you're second rate. Yeah, you're a second rate manufacturer, second tier manufacturer, and so they're competing at the level. If they would just finish, yeah, like they are competing right there with John Deere and Cat. Absolutely, and actually. I would put Cat, Case, and John Deere, in my opinion, from running equipment these days. Just Cat's run away with the technology. Yep. But they're a big boy standard. Like, if I bought a machine there and I took it to the dealer, it'd sit there for a month. Yeah. You know? If uh, John Deere, they wouldn't even give me the time of day to buy a machine. I didn't have enough money for that salesman to talk right away. Like, I think they're very open to the smaller contractors. And oh, that's I their bread and butter. I think their price points are phenomenal. And the comfort. The yeah. comfort of these machines, like I dig, you could throw on it. You know, you start looking at the other versatilities that the other tech guys are coming out in this field. It pairs up great with what they have going on because they don't really have nobody. Yeah. So there's a lot of phenomenal operators out there that if you paired them with this at the right price point and you added a little bit of technology to it, like Leica, yep. just something, Yep. you know. And you could have paired up with Trimble. Yep. You know, so there, there's a lot of things which, you could run with. Which it. that's a great point of just just how poor of a job they've done to market. So, case uh, the vast majority of their dozers coming out of the factory right now have a harness. They are pre-wired for machine control. Right. But not just Leica. It comes with a universal harness, so they can accept Leica, Trimble, or Topcon. Right. No one talks about that. And. Coming from a man that's been in a bulldozer quite a bit, you and I, do they push? Yeah, They're they comfort. do. The case dozers are hands down, in my opinion. Case dozers, you put it head to head with anybody else's of the same weight class, that case is going to out push. But again, they got to quiet the cab. They do. That it, yeah. Again <clears throat> and again, dropping the ball. Why are you the way that you are? Case, you're you're ninety 
five percent there with that dozer. Like it's so it's the machine, but the cab is ungodly. Like if loud. you want to ask you or I a question about a case machine, I will tell you the best features about it, and then I'm not afraid to just say, but but there's this is, always a but. This is right here. This is right there. That's what she said. <laughs> you know, it never gets old. It does. I love that sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, just all across the board with all of their equipment, it's that way. You're 95, 98% of the way there, but that last that last 2 to 5% is big enough that it is a hurdle for guys. That When I say that cab is loud on those on those case dozers, we had a brand new like plastic on the seat 1150, and the fucker was so loud I couldn't listen to the radio in the cab right. without blasting the radio. And, so and excited to, point to run it. Yeah, and it's like... Why you put earplugs in yeah, around the damn it's thing? It's like why? Why would you not spend the time? But look at the backhoe. Look how much time they have put into the backhoe and the quality. Like it's the per preferred machine out oh, there yeah. as a backhoe. You know why don't you finish everything else like you did yeah, that? Like absolutely, that was the go to backhoe. Everyone to have Cat and John Deere everything except for the backhoe. Backhoe's a case. Backhoe's a case. Yep. Why don't you finish everything else? Yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? So it was, uh, that was by far the most frustrating thing selling case equipment was the, was the fact that first of all, the equipment was just right there. I mean, just right there at just being the, the perfect piece of equipment. And then the second thing was just the total lack of any marketing sense, which, you know, to kind of circle this back to what we originally talked about, uh, Rick and I run Case all the time. You see it all over plastered on the YouTube channel. I have reached out to Case multiple times. I reached out to my old rep who recognized the value in what we were doing. He reached out to the marketing side of Case. And we still, eight months, 10 months later, have not heard a single chirp. And I have insider information that they have they have been following our channel. They've, they've been watching the channel. They know about our content. Still, you done messed up, man. Yeah, like just reach out and yeah. let us like start like that. Would, would talk about a, a great way to promote not only the Minotaur but the new 620, the B series. Why don't you tiers. ask some people out in the field with some severe experience, not like the engineers? Like you know, bigger is better, right? Let's build this some a bitch, right? It's gonna sell. Like, let's not get the real perspective of it, right, some real right. people out there going. We have the 450. We got the Minotaur. Is there a gap? Well, I can tell you right now why they came out with that 620. It is the Minotaur without the Minotaur bells and whistles. I, I mean, it's, the it's, yeah, it's the same frame. It's going to be the sec. I guarantee you it's the same track frame. But they'll push that 620 out in production before the Minotaur oh, because correct. they're basically taking a yep. 450, beefing it up a little bigger because that whole actually track uh, undercarriage is completely different rebuilt. Yeah, it's, so, yeah, I noticed that. I think it's got the. Yep. Yeah, anything like yep, cat does. Got, yep, exactly. In the, it's got in the ability to pivot. suspension or whatever. Yep. There can't be much suspension on a skid steer. No. Besides your ass cheeks and the air seat. That's it. Ass cheeks <laughs> and air seat, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they dropped the ball. Um, It's sad. I know. Just it's, reach out. It is what it is. Yeah. And that's that's where I just go. Like, what a, what a phenomenal way to prom- promote these new products. You know, the B-Series. They totally killed themselves with the Alpha Series skid steer. So for those of you not familiar, um, the last iteration of the skid steer before the one that is out now, the B Series, was they were referred to as the Alpha Series. And it was where Case 
totally revamped. They totally redid them. They this is where Case really stepped into the to the game of you know elect- they leaned into the problems. Well, what they did is they they kind of that was them coming into this world of electronic over hydraulic controls and computerization with all of the uh, engine modules and. It, like it was their first modern skid steer that they put out. It was it was the first one that they revamped, and it was the modern skid. And they released that with a fuckload of problems because they wanted to rush it to market. It was more important to them to get it to market than it was to actually address the issues. And so what happened is for for like five or six years, they ran with this Alpha Series piece of junk skid steer, and they just kind of like piece worked all of the issues Turmoil that they had. Yeah, everywhere. I mean it was just. And they they soiled their reputation because Case back in the day was known for their skid steers. You, I mean, you had the old 1845s, which I bet I bet 80% of the people listening to the podcast right now, if I say Case 1845, everyone's like, fuck yeah, that's an awesome skid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that was their reputation. And then they soiled it with the Alpha Series skids. And then they finally have have kind of fixed all the issues and they came out with the updated B-Series skids. And they've outside of the YouTube channel, their case proper's YouTube channel. Like, where have you really heard about them? I think we're just going to start shipping our podcast and YouTube content. Yeah, to just, case just they email got sick them of every it. day. And they're like, holy shit, dude. These just guys the are legitimately page. going around the world <laughs> saying what's wrong and what needs yeah. to happen. Let's just call them up. Yeah, let's just every day we'll, we'll, we'll go to the contact me page. We're going to do it. Yeah, That's and we'll, just, we'll ship them a link to every podcast, every video we put out. And, and if you don't like it, these nuts are for you. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. That's awesome. Yeah, so so enough case talk. I not not that I have another topic to go to, but uh, I feel like we're gonna we're gonna bore well, we're people. We're winding down now. What's I that? Mean, the season's starting to wind down for the dirt guys. So this is where we're going to start gaining quite a bit of people listening to the podcast some Diesel and Iron YouTube. Um, the mad rush is here. Like, if you're a homeowner calling for services this year, you're scrambling to get it in because of next year. You're fighting the weather, the, the weather, the rain. Yeah. Guys are already gearing up for snow plowing, so the Midnight Warriors are, you know, buying Red Bull and getting yeah. ready to roll, All man, the fixing drinks. the trucks and the plows. Like, that's what's happening here in Michigan. That's um, the other person we need to reach out to for the show. everything up. We got to get Monster to sponsor the show. With how much we talk about energy drinks and Monster. Who gives a shit? What about Red Bull? No, Red Bull's Red, got an airplane. Red Bull, Red Bull, yeah, Red, exactly. Red Bull is like the snooty, <laughs> wannabe, hardcore, like extreme, extreme sport guys. Yeah, but listen, man. Monster is the drink of the people. <clears throat> you see how big those monsters are. You see how small that Red Bull is. In my work is way more efficient than yours because that's a you're, lie. Everyone, you're drinking this you big monster lie. and I'm drinking this little Red Bull after like 10 sips, I'm gone. You still got the pinky up the air like you're drinking some hot tea. You know their phrase. Your their phrase is Red Bull gives you wings. You know what else has wings? Maxi Angels. pads. Maxi pads. <laughs> oh my Lord. That's, <laughs> that's embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. So who's who's drinking the manly drink here? <laughs> You know, at least I'm not the one running around with a mampon in all day long. <laughs> you know, can you give me a monster? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's got to be the white monster. <clears throat> that's right. It's it, because that's and that's the other thing about monster. 
I mean, Red Bull gives you how many options? Like big can, little can. But Monster, you've got, do you want your regular <laughs> traditional Monster? Do you want your sugar-free Monster? Do you want Monster with a little fruit punch? Do you want, we have 50 varieties There's of too Monster. many options. There's, There's too many options. options. We are a world of options these days, Rick. You can't just be, wow. you just can't be stuck in one rut. You gotta, you gotta branch out. So I went to the gas station yesterday Yep. and it was a big fucking iPad that I swiped my card on. And then I was like doing the touchscreen, like a big tablet iPad. It was so, unreal. Yeah. So just so you guys are aware, when it comes to technology, Rick is, we're, we're a little beyond the stone age. I'm above age. the flip phone, yeah. but <laughs> these new phones. Yeah, like with like, all of the podcasting stuff that we're messing with right now, it's just, it's blown Rick's mind. Dude, I got to watch it. Like, I got the <laughs> Square apps and shit on there, and I got people's info because the app starts. Oh, yeah. The uh, stores it all. Yep. And next thing you know, like, I'll hear my phone do something, I'll look down, and it's like getting ready to charge some customer like $8,000 fucking dollars on them. Whoa, lock this calm thing up. down, cold. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, no one, I've had to issue a refund yet, but yeah, this technology is like wild. Yeah. So, so we, even with the GoPros, like but I'm an Amazon Rick, King now. Oh, I meant to yell at you the other day. Oh no. So with the GoPros, I, I've been having a kind of, we've been working with Rick. We've got it. We gave him training wheels. I kind of gave him the rundown on how to push the big red circle and that's record. Hey, a skill set for skill set, baby. You're teaching me technical <laughs> and I'm teaching you seat that's time. Right, that's right. Seat and time so and knowledge. We got them all dialed in with the GoPros. I've got two GoPros, but then I've also got an audio recorder and you left the audio recorder running for like two hours the other day. But you still caught it to sync with the GoPro. Oh yeah. Well, so then we'll have it. But cares, then we've got dude. like an hour and a half of Who extra. <laughs> Who cares, dude? Like that's for you to figure out. Yeah, yeah. So you're just lucky that the film got fucking turned on. That's right. And I was doing my job. <laughs> you almost knocked that water over. And that would have been who cares? That would have been a tragedy. It's just tech, tech that, yeah. Like no one cares. <laughs> We're sitting dude. here with like fifteen hundred dollars for the shit content. on it. <laughs> they want podcasting. They don't care about your shit all over my desk. Yeah, right. You so, know. All right, guys. We're gonna be right back. Uh give us just a quick second. All right, guys, welcome back. And I do apologize for that brief interruption there, but uh, just a, a nice little laughable moment. Uh, Rick and I have actually been recording the second segment of this podcast for for probably 10 minutes now before I looked over uh, to realize that we weren't actually recording. So. The fucking tech guy <laughs> dropped the ball, dude. And we had some really good shit in there, too. Yeah, like, oh, this, so thing, good. this keyboard needs a fucking key <laughs> that you put in and turn on, dude. This is bullshit. And it's the, the best part about it, really salt in the wound, is how we just gave Rick shit for not knowing anything about technology. And Bam! <laughs> you done messed up, A.A. Ron! That's right, my baby. bad. That's my bad. So, so what? Thick let's, skin. You got thick skin. We got I'll thick give skin. It to yeah, that. there you go. All right. So to kind of <clears throat> rehash our conversation, what we were what we were talking about is we're coming into fall now in the dirt world. Cider and, and donuts. Cider baby. and donuts. I mean, that's especially up here in mm. Michigan. We get super excited about cider. Do you know cider mills are like basically just a Michigan thing? I didn't. Well, I knew they weren't in the South. Like I before I came up here to Michigan, I didn't nothing know shit good about comes cider from mills. the South. But if yeah. you haven't noticed, it, well. You know racism, I, mean? I think it's pretty prominent. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't got to go there. Yeah. So cider no, donuts, cider, yeah, cider donuts, keep <laughs> in between the straight and narrow. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh cider donuts is like one of the exciting things about fall. And then on top of that, 
like my favorite thing. Hoodie and jeans. Hoodie and jeans, yeah. man. You get that crisp, crisp weather in the mornings and it's just like you get to work outside and just in a hoodie. It's comfortable. You're not sweating. I love it. It's still cold enough where you wear gloves, but you keep your like your sh- your summer clothes in the car just in case like the sun yeah. peels out for like four hours. You well, so now we're in especially in Michigan, you keep a set of summer clothes, but you also keep your car hearts because yep. within a forty five minute span you could yep. go from summer weather to needing the car hearts. You're almost with the tube heaters <laughs> on the dozer to oh, stand yeah. in front of the radiators yeah, with the absolutely. coat open. Oh, yeah. Like this is this is the time. Yes. So one of the things that comes along, especially here in Michigan, because of, you know, being surrounded by the Great Lakes, uh, fall means rainy season too. And what Rick and I were talking about is the rainy season, the muddy season is where skill really starts to come into play. Uh, experience really starts to come into play on the job site in order to stay productive. And so just kind of expound on that. When you when you were talking through that, what are some of the things where experience comes into play? What? You suck of a bitch. Mud season, man. <laughs> Mud season is here. Uh, this is where the experience really starts coming out from the greenhorns to a guy with five years to 25 years. The old timers that know that been around through multiple seasons. I mean, you're talking a bunch of rain. You know, you're <coughs> constantly looking at the phone, checking the weather right now. Because up here in Michigan, our weather guys are so accurate that we will get a fucking forecast to say two weeks of sunshine, 75 degrees. And you pull up another app by the hour and it says rain in 45 minutes. Yeah. So, um, you're constantly gauging it throughout the day. I mean, you know, the site right now is this is like what will make and break a job. Yeah. You know, this will go from, uh, basically letting a greenhorn out on a job that doesn't know nothing about rain to, throwing spoil piles everywhere to all of a sudden it diverts the water onto the job the wrong way and you're screwed. I mean, yeah. you're looking to keep the water shed. You're starting to keep your ditches open, your storm water, uh, anything, your silt fence up. I mean, anything that you used to put off in the summertime just became yeah, super important now. Cause yeah. if you don't keep your job site drained, prep for water, you're like, sunk literally yeah. quite literally. <laughs> like look at the job that we've been screwing around with now. The drainage isn't quite there yet because yep. of the way the job has to go. But right. we got the ditches in, you know, we got stone everywhere to get the trucks in. We're prepped for the rain the best that we can that the job allows. But you're basically to the point now, <clears throat> if you don't prep for the rain, it could jo- it could shut your job site down for a week to dry out. And right now it could be three days of rain sporadically throughout the week. So if you keep it prepped and the water drains i mean you could work possibly tomorrow by one o'clock and you know this is where you start getting like three hours in ten hours in eight hours like it's so random yeah this is where you know the sweat equity of being in the trenches and the years of seat time of dealing with the mud because you're dragging everything around now yeah you know you're watching your labor that maybe he's young or he's old or a lot of experience or not you know, you could run the guy in the ground. So you're basically, if you're like in an excavator or loader, you're starting to take the extra steps to carry the tools and like the bricks and the lasers and stuff like that for these guys that are stomping through the mud, you know? Um, you know, for example, like you're doing a storm trench, you're throwing some sump lines or whatever. And 
you know, it just rained. Like you could, you could do certain things when it's raining. Right. Like you don't just stop, but you can't finish grading in the rain. Right. Right. So, um, you could dig a trench with a foot of water on top, scraping all the muck out, building kind of like barriers around yep. a trench to keep your guy dry and still productively, um, do a job efficiently. But yet, you know, and the machine now you just come like kind of like ice skates, throwing mud around, slipping and sliding, um, just keeping everything dry, keeping everything moving. I mean, it's, it's a nightmare right now for guys in the industry. Um, the weather's great. And if the weather holds out and we get an Indian fall, it's phenomenal. But this is where, I mean, it's night and day you go to finish grade and, you know, and you know, when to touch it, when not to touch it. Yeah. And that's, you know, there's a couple areas that really come to mind when it comes to the experience and dealing with the wet season. So, so one of the big ones when I was new to the industry, you know, the golden rule is you don't fuck with finish grade whatsoever. No. And so, especially as a new guy, you take that so much to heart that when it gets into this area of the season, you're not going to touch that finish grade. Are you, you're not going to touch that finish grade. And, and instead it's one of those things where, okay, when you look, look at it from a production standpoint, <coughs> excuse me, you can either not touch the finish grade and wait a week for that fucker to dry, which is going to cost you a fair amount of money, especially when, you know, now that we're in the fall, you're getting into crunch time on the projects or you get out there and you muck out three, four or five inches and just use a little extra stone. Yeah. Right. Your costs on stone went up a little bit, but when you compare it to what you're going to have to spend in either delays or manpower, that's going someplace else that it should be used here, you know, knowing when and how to make that call is one of the biggest things that pops up in my mind when it comes to experience, especially at the foreman superintendent level. Well, I was just going to say, that's when the big boy bucks, everyone wants to make the big bucks come. <coughs> You know, they want the big paychecks, the hourly rate, the big right, salaries. Right. This is when you see those dollars really come to work, you know, because you still got a whole job to complete before December, before yep. the first of deadline. So, you know, they're coordinating for trucks. You still got to keep material coming in and out, mud or no mud, rain or no rain, to now you're extra bailing material and pushing material to the road because if you have a paved road or a gravel road, you can still load trucks. Right. You know, so yeah, you're wasting a little bit of time and feel and hourly wage, but overall, you're still keeping the dollars turning. You're keeping the productivity rate up. So you can't you can't have a this day sucks and like a die attitude. You got to have a can do attitude, and you can't really take no as an option. So this is where guys in the trade as a whole, uh, not just the dirt guys, like we're innovators. You know, the and you you don't just read about this and learn like this is like educated decisions that you learn through experience and nobody could teach you but seat time being on the job going through the gauntlet of <coughs> sweat and the grime and just everything right about it like this is this is it right right here you know this is what's going to make and break dirt season well so a couple things just came to mind as you were kind of walking through that. So first of all, an, another area that really comes to mind when it comes to experience working in the mud and everything is uh, you, you touched on it with, with knowing when to finish grade, knowing, and not even just with finish grades in all honesty, <laughs> knowing when you can salvage a situation uh, is really when experience starts to play. And so, you know, let's stick with finish grades. 
you can go out there with some snot on a finish grade. And if you know what you're doing, you know how to generate some dry material, you know how to work that material in with the mm-hmm. wet stuff, you can still get away with doing some sort of a finish grade in certain situations. Correct. But all of that comes with experience and having done it. And, you know, now instead of me sitting at home for three days because I've got that experience, I'm able to go out there and actually make something out of my day. I'm actually able to be productive and go make money. Yes. And so that's a big area that plays in. Another thing you just touched on, and and I really want to circle back to it because it's so important, is uh, as guys in the trades, one of the things we don't talk about uh, how do I want to say this? We don't talk about it in a direct enough manner. We we all know that being in the trades is difficult. Like this is, this is not an easy life choice. Like no. your career path, there are easier, cushier jobs that you could have. Yeah. There's no, there's no amounts of training that's going to prep you for construction. Absolutely. Being in the trades. It's not like we're going to give you a four year crash course. I mean, it's hands on. It is, you know, from, everything that you're out learning on. Well, and where I wanted to go with it is one of the things we don't talk about and, and in a direct way is like the mental strength you have to have the mental fortitude to go out in these sort of conditions. And, and you can absolutely approach the day as, you know, this last week is a prime example. You can approach the day and go, I don't, I don't want to fucking be here. This is going to be miserable. And you will spend the entire day miserable. You will want to quit your job. You will hate what you're doing. Or this is where the the mental toughness comes in. You go in and go, look, this is what we've got to accomplish. And this is how we got to do it. And yeah, it sucks. But that, you know, that's where we're at in the year. This is just part of the job. And I think I do feel like, you know, we've talked about it in, in multiple instances, this generational gap between the old timers and the new kids. And um, I do think that plays into a lot of the younger generation coming out on these job sites and deciding this isn't something they want to do. It's not that they're not capable. They're capable. It's they're perfectly capable. It's just I I, I want to say they've just never really been tested in the way that the trades tests you. And if you're not prepared for that test, it's really easy to go. Mm, this ain't for me. Well, it's like what I get into a lot. We get into a lot of versatile jobs. Yep. You know, success is an attitude. It's not just a skill set. Like I could take a C labor or a C operator if you were grading them out from A being great to C being like better than my school grades were, you know? Right. Um, If they got a great attitude, I could go get a job done. You know, I could accomplish something. Now I could take a phenomenal operator, phenomenal labor. And if they have just like the piss poor attitude, I'll They're be as half as productive yeah. and it sucks. It's freaking miserable. Like we don't talk about it, but stomping the mud sucks. Shoveling yep. the track sucks. Grabbing the tools with the mud on it. Like yep. it, it just sucks. Like getting in your car with your, with the bottom half of your pants weighing 15 pounds because they are totally caked in mud. Knowing that you're going to have to like that. Literally when, when I got home all last week, the first thing I did was standing outside in the cold, in the rain. Rinsing. Rinsing off in the hose that's cold as shit because we got a well. Yeah. It, like, that's how you come home and spend the first yeah. 20 minutes of your day and or at home. It's miserable. It's You're miserable. cold. Yeah, you can't get warmed up yep. now if you get the chills in your 100%. body. 100%. Um, I always carry, like, a second pair of clothes in the truck now. I'm to the point I'll strip down into the boxers, throw everything in a bag or in the back of the truck, and take it home, like, it, you got to do what you got to do yep. to. It's about getting the job done. Yeah. 
And yeah, so that's, like I said, that's one thing we just, everyone acknowledges the trades are difficult, but no one really talks about like how much mental strength this industry, like you don't have to be, it's helpful to be physically strong in this industry just because there is some manual labor. But at the end of the day, it's not the physical strength that makes or breaks you in this industry. It's the mental strength. Well, like here in Michigan, we make all our money in eight months. Yep. Right. You got mud season, summer, mud Mud season, season, winter. Yep. So- for a guy in the excavating field, he's going to start April-ish and work all the way up to maybe November 15th without, like, not missing a beat in overtime. Right, right. So you just know you have to hack these hours dark to dark. You're going to be away from the family. Six to seven days a week. Right. I mean, it's miserable. And yep. then all of a sudden, boom, hopefully if you saved up enough money and you didn't live over your means, that you could take the layoff collect unemployment and enjoy yourself and the family, maybe go down to Florida and travel a little bit. But I mean, that's the real life of a guy in the dirt field. It's seasonal. So you work six days a week and you work hard, 80, hundred yeah. hours. I mean, it's, it's plus your drive time. Yep. I mean, some the job's not like you just go no, 15 minutes no. down the road every day. It moves it's 45 minutes to an hour, so, sometimes hour and a half each way. Yeah. Like but, that's a substantial, that's the other thing people don't talk about is, you work 12 to 14 hours a day. All That's day not including the well, two to three hours of drive time you have right every now, day. Right now, you know, you start getting, let's say, a 10-hour, 12-hour window of daylight. So that means you're leaving in dark. Yep. You're on the job starting at daylight. You know, you already had the machines running. Oh, we, were, gr- we were greasing out. in the dark. Right. Yeah. Daylight, when you could see, you're, you're full throttle, dude. Yep. So, um, but that's fall. I mean, in a nutshell up here, like sometimes we have phenomenal t-shirt hoodie jeans and you get like 30 days, maybe 45 days of phenomenal weather. And it's awesome, but it's the end of the season for us up here moving dirt. Um, basically onto tedious jobs, you know, big pipe jobs and development will still go, but that's really it, man. We're going to. We're going to transition into snow plowing here. and uh, No, no, no. Let's be specific. We are not. People. People in Michigan. Well, is in the construction <laughs> field, like, you either have two options. I will you're, not go plow snow again. You're either moving <laughs> big jobs, but honestly, like, the guys now, they're starting to, with the experience, the estimators, project managers, owners, they're starting to stage or as they wrap stuff up. For frost season, they're already staging for the winter months. Like, what jobs can we do? What jobs are sandy versus clay? So if we have to rip some ground, like, these are all the stuff everyone's prepping for five, six months down the road as our guys are dealing with mud season, rain, being productive, earning their paychecks. Um, Oh, and I can tell you on the equipment dealership side, uh, generally by, by the second week in August, uh, all of your winter loader rentals are spoken for. So oh, yeah. If you're a contractor listening to this. The yards and, and, are gone. They're yeah, empty now. If dude. you haven't, even if the loaders are sitting, because a lot of times, a lot of times they would sit for another month or two in the yard, but all of them are spoken for. And so if you are a contractor listening to this and, and you haven't dabbled in the snow world yet, or you are planning to uh, maybe next year, know that if you want to load, if you want to line out any rental loaders for winter, uh, you got to be having those conversations. 
you oh yeah, that's one hundred percent going to be your attitude when <laughs> when you walk into the dealership and they're like, "Sorry, bud, these have all been spoken for for a month." So, uh, but that's that's well, they start bidding work in June. Oh, up absolutely, here in Michigan and, for snow, and then they're by, locked in September by going late July, early August. Yeah. You are you already have your contracts, you already have your rentals lined up. You've like it's all set. Yeah, and then we'll start. We would generally start shipping out our loaders probably. Uh, mid to late October, early November, and then they would go sit on those lots. So that's a whole other aspect of this industry is is gearing up for plow season because so many contractors up here in the north that's that's how they make it through the winter. Oh yeah, and that's how you keep your guys around. You know, yep they're they're gonna have to push these. They go from working these crazy insane hours, dark to dark, to you know your telephone rings at midnight and goes, hey, um. You got to get out there and start pushing snow till six a.m. in the morning. Sometimes it's an all-day storm to oh thirty-six hours straight. Hours, yeah, 40, thirty-six yep, hours. Absolutely. Like, oh shit! Now that everyone's jacked up on Red Bull. Yep. You know, monster and not sleeping in their car. <laughs> um, you know, it takes two monsters to a Red Bull to get the job done. But yeah. they'll they'll plow that parking lot. <laughs> so, I think that's about it for this episode. Yeah, I we can think. we can wrap this one up. We've we got about I don't know forty-ish minutes. 50 yeah. minutes. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. I, I hope you guys enjoyed. Come back for the next one. Yeah, so we will uh, we'll catch you guys on the next episode of Sweat and Grime. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah.